welcome to The Near Memo, a weekly conversation about search, social, and commerce. What happened, why it matters, and the implications for local. All right. Hello. Here we are again, everybody, Mike, David, and me, Greg, and we're talking about uh, the week in search, social, and local commerce, uh, episode 31, my first haircut in about eight months, although it doesn't look like a haircut exactly. But for those of you listening and not watching on YouTube, you are really missing That's out. That's right. Hair That's looks right. Fabulous. It, looks, it, it looks better than it did. It was really ragged. So I finally got a haircut and um, here it is in all its gloriousness. Uh, anyway, so there's, there's, as always, yeah. And, and that wasn't a $10 one either. I no, I spent, imagine. I spent the haircut was, so I had been paying a hundred and then the person that I was going to raised it to 120. So I wanted to find an alternative. <laughs> and so I went to somebody that, and how did you find that my, alternative? Uh, word of mouth. My wife, uh, went to this person. So she's charged me 40 and then I gave her a $20 tip cause I paid her with a credit card. So there you go. That's the whole story. Not, of the- not even Amex has a fifty percent processing fee, though. That's a pretty nice tip. Yeah. Well, it was it was fifty percent of what I was gonna pay, so I figured I could be pretty generous with her. I see. I see. Um, okay. All right, and that's the the news this week. So thanks everybody for joining us. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so we've got we've got a lot of as as usual. There's a lot of interesting things to talk about. We are only going to talk about three things. And uh, David, you're going to lead us off with Mailchimp. Yeah, there's a story uh, earlier this week that Intuit is in talks to buy Mailchimp for ten billion with a B dollars, um, which is an eye-popping number, <laughs> among other things. Uh, the Bloomberg article that I read uh, indicate this is all sort of anonymously sourced internal, you know, potentially internal sources to the deal, saying that Mailchimp is doing three hundred million dollars annually uh, in EBITDA which is also a huge eye-popping number. So not typically a, um, a profit level seen in, in many startups. Uh, I, in our private uh, Slack conversation, Greg, I was sharing that uh, you know, Yelp's market value is something like two and a half billion um, and they would love a $300 million uh, EBITDA or their investors would. Um, so it's just, it's pretty staggering like how much bigger uh, if this deal actually goes through, like how much bigger of a company Mailchimp is than some of the best known names in this space? I'm obviously a huge Mailchimp fan. I've used Mailchimp for my own newsletter. Uh, we integrate it was the first integration that we did with Tidings. Um, it seems to be a very forward-looking company. They have added features faster than just about anyone in the email marketing space to the point that it's hard to even consider them. Uh, a purely email marketing I platform. Now that you can build websites, right. you can do e-commerce, you can run social ads, you can build uh, customer journey automations. I mean, it's a really full, fu- uh, fully featured suite, and um, just a really impressive, um, you know, pro- execution of their product. Their APIs are tremendously reliable, um, and I think it's to me, it's great. It's a huge validation of a couple things. Number one small businesses are their customers. The fact that a small business uh, SaaS company is is doing so well with an exit, and in particular, a small business SaaS company that is so product-led, they have a very uh, generous freemium model. They've had a freemium model um, their entire existence. Uh, it's just really like encouraging to entrepreneurs who think similarly, like myself, and I think, Mike, like you do as well, um, in terms of 
the 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 value in building a product that serves a a small business audience and that isn't reliant on some of the traditional uh, harder sell strategies that so many other companies use. So that's number one. Number two, they also have a really strong agency channel. And for those of you listening, I know we have a lot of agency subscribers. Um, I think that it's validation for agencies as a market as well, um, which is which is really cool. So I, I'm I, I'm not sure how I feel about a company like Intuit being the acquirer, but I couldn't be happier for the Mailchimp team and and founders if this actually goes couple, through. A couple of quick it seems like a good product fit for Intuit in the sense it's very complementary, you know, more comprehensive, more sticky. But you, Greg, earlier noted, and I think David did too, that Intuit hasn't successfully leverage these their previous acquisitions well in, in, intuit has been tr has tried multiple times to acquire add-on marketing services for its pretty massive you know uh small business audience that uses TurboTax and and uh, uh what's the accounting software Quick, Quick, quickbooks. quickbooks right exactly so the, the, i mean for literally a decade or more um you know, they originally acquired Step Up Commerce years ago, and that was ultimately killed after a couple of years of trying to integrate that with with QuickBooks. Um, they acquired Demand Force uh, within the last five years, I think, and then ultimately spun it. It wasn't quite that recent, I don't think. It was longer than that. I think I think it's been seven or okay. Eight at any now. rate, they acquired Demand Force and they spun it out again, or they got rid of it. Um, they have been for a long time looking for some complement to their core services that would, you know, for, for marketing for their audience. And, um, and you know, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in the company based on what I've seen. They If they left MailChimp more or less intact as a standalone business that they could just refer their customers to with whatever deals or incentives, I think that's going to be the best approach rather than trying to integrate the company into their, into their culture and work I, structure. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the, the, if, the Intuit folks are listening to this podcast. You should just have a an, a sync button with sync customer sync QuickBooks customer list with your Mailchimp audience and leave it at that. <laughs> Don't try to do anything deeper on the integration front. Couple couple of a quick additional facts that I picked up before the call. Um, you know, I don't know how accurate they are, but I assume they're fairly accurate. Um, as of 2019, uh, Mailchimp had something like 11 million customers. And uh, an, an extended audience of recipients of in the billions, four billion was was a number that I saw. Um, and then revenue, top line revenue of something like seven hundred million in twenty nineteen. So really massive, and they're bootstrapped. I don't think that they took you know the the amount of money that they've taken, if, if any, is just minimal or non-existent. They've been around for two decades essentially. So this is I I agree this is a great story it's a it's a really strong product and it's a it's a it's a good buy for Intuit provided that they don't mess it up as they have in the past. So, all right, nothing else to add. Well, well summarized. Okay, all right, and then um, uh, uh, moving into a completely different realm, uh, search marketing um, and legal. Uh, this week there was uh, a story that's really been been around for a couple of decades in one form or another uh, 1-800 contacts um trademark uh keywords and warby parker yeah so i was just struck by it i mean obviously if one that it's still a question that 
1-800-CONTACTS thinks they have enough legal basis to stop Orby Parker from advertising on 1-800-CONTACTS name on the likes of Google. They contend that Warby Parker is leveraging 1-800-CONTACTS intellectual property and deceiving consumers with it. I looked at the ads, they look like ads to me. And, and historically, Google, this case law has generally fallen in Google's favor that allow businesses to advertise on competitors' names. It's kind of an annoying feature, but it's, I, I, I was going to say, having been on law. the receiving end of this, it, it does suck. As a, it do, it as does the, suck, right. So on the one hand, yeah. I'm sort of support 1-800-CONTACTS effort here. I just, you know, I, I just questioned the logic of it. It doesn't, I know that 1-800-CONTACTS has historically been very aggressive with this. They went after a bunch of companies with their lawyers and those companies all agreed to not do it. And then the FTC went after 1-800-CONTACTS and they, for trying to constrain trade with these agreements. And which is lost. which is precisely so, what they were doing in a certain way of looking at it. Yes, absolutely. But <laughs> those were agreements. This is not an agreement. They're going into open court to demand that Warby Parker stop advertising using their name to trigger the ads. And I, and historically that's been, there's never been a clear cut case that a business that has, even when the courts came down in favor of saying that wasn't quite right, they never awarded monetary damages. So it never was sort of worth it. Um, I mean, 1-800 contacts, particularly aggressive, obviously PE money. It's fascinating to me that the money is, that this is the best expenditure of the money, but it could upend SEM totally. And well, not, the, I mean, the thing that's problematic bad. about it is the, the uncertainty that it creates, right? I mean, for the longest time, it was clear that you could bid on trademark terms as keywords. You couldn't use trademarks in the ad copy itself, but you could Unless you were going to do a direct comparison when you got to the site, then you could. So you could say, uh, gather up versus grade us comparison if you actually took them to a comparison page. That was a legitimate. Okay. But, but in general, yeah. you couldn't use trademark terms in the, in the, in the ad copy itself, but you could use them in the underlying keywords. And that was pretty much settled law for, you know, well over, I don't know, 15 years or something like that. And now this creates a certain level of ambiguity and uncertainty that, um, one hundred Contacts can potentially exploit to monopolize its own branded uh, terms, which is what it's trying to do. I mean, the Warby Parker thing, they're saying uh, you arrived at a landing page that looked like the 1-800-CONTACTS page, and there's an element of consumer deception. But as you point out, that doesn't, maybe they changed it, but it doesn't really seem to be the case. But this is, this is a problematic, um, this is a problematic decision by the Second Circuit Court of Appeal, which is in New York, based in New York kind of telling uh, 1-800-CONTACTS that these settlement agreements, which blocked the use of their keywords, were, were okay and not in restraint of competition or trade or whatever. So we're going to see, well, you know, I don't know how it affects the rest of the industry, but it's problematic. Well, I was going to say, what what are the implications for using trademark terms and title tags moving forward? I mean, if, if advertising is potentially, the next... Potentially. Where, where does this go? So it definitely seems like a, a problematic uh, precedent if it ends up holding up. So I mean, I think that, you know, typically cases get to the Supreme Court, sort of non-political cases get to the Supreme Court when there's a conflict in the in the in the law of the different circuits. Right. The federal the federal appellate courts have different decisions on the same topics. 
then the Supreme Court will ultimately try and resolve those in, in, in favor of clarity for everybody. But somebody has to, you know, that there has to be an active case. But, you know, it's, it's, it, it'll ultimately probably go there. But it's in the, in the interim, it could be years of like confusion and weird lawsuits and other litigants could step in and try and do similar things, you know. And then when you have conflict in the laws in different jurisdictions, it's a big problem on the Internet because there is no geography on the Internet, you know, essentially. So, right. I mean, you get the law of one jurisdiction, people trying to invoke the law of the Second Circuit when it's outside of, you know, the physical region that that appellate court typically governs. But that's a... It seems like a big case to I, me. I agree. I, I, I'm just curious about it. And I, Definitely I, worth I, highlighting. Yeah. I, I will follow it as we go forward, but I find it fascinating that they'd waste so much money on it. But... Obviously, they have a lot of money to waste. I mean, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to they're trying specifically to prevent competitors from saying we're offering a similar product for less money, you know, and and they want to lock out competitors from using their brand and other keywords that they think um, they own or control. And I wonder if it'll like create this rush to trademark all these terms by all these companies. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. You know. I'm trademarking SEO, right? Somebody tried that years ago. Was it? It was that. Still remember. Uh, Rhea Drysdale successfully fought the suit. Yeah. On behalf of the industry. Well, that's, so. Well, kudos to her. Um, yeah. All right. So the. But all they're trademarking here, though, is is their brand name, one eight hundred content. Well, that's yeah, that's, but then 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 people will get into other areas where they're sort of dubious. You know, they'll they'll could trademark a tagline, yeah. for example. Yeah. Or or just. Um, you know, I mean, uh, people people have all kinds of crazy ideas about trademark trademarks and what they think they're entitled to control. But um, so so there was a lot of there was a lot there's a lot of small business data that we put in the newsletter over the last couple of weeks about ad spending and small businesses. And I was interested in potentially talking about that, but I'm not going to because we've talked about it recently. Go go look at the newsletter. Um, we'll come back to that issue about small businesses and whether they understand their audiences and where they're spending their money. The the the, the kind of fun item is is uh, that we'll end with is Yahoo. So yeah, so Apollo. Can this possibly be an upbeat item though? Yes, it will be upbeat. Totally upbeat. Oh, All okay. Right. All right. Just check completely. It's just a happy story. <laughs> nothing. No. Nothing negative about it. So. Um, so a private equity bought Verizon Media from Verizon, the telco, and it's now been rebranded Yahoo, and the AOL brand is dead. And Yahoo now, according to the press release, the, the transaction has been concluded this week, and now it's everybody can seize the great opportunity that lies ahead. And, you know, it's, it's just Yahoo has been through so many things over the years um, they still have brand equity. I mean, you know, how many brands can you name on the internet? You could probably, you know, you guys could probably name a whole bunch of them, but the average consumer can't name that many brands. And Yahoo is probably one of those brands. And they still have a lot of traffic. Um, they may not be the number three site on the internet, but they're still top 10. Um, and there's, and you know, if you get outside of um, New York, Chicago, San Francisco, LA, Seattle, these these urban centers, you know, people still know Yahoo, still use Yahoo. There's less cynicism about Yahoo. So what do you think about the outlook for Yahoo now? I, I also think there's a whole new set of 
netizens that you know in Gen Z that weren't around when Yahoo was a thing. So there, to me, there's a possibility that Yahoo becomes sort of the first retro internet retro brand that's cool. cool in 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 the younger demographic. I mean, that's you know, MySpace All maybe has the same football. Well, exactly. So I think that they have a strong play in one of, uh, you know, in Yahoo Sports is actually quite a strong content site. One of the best beat writers in the NBA, Chris Haynes, is their lead lead writer. He's like, you know, one of the top guys. And they've tried this play with news with Katie Couric and that sort of thing historically. But I actually think there's a real, obviously, they have a ton of domain equity because they're one of the first domain names on the Internet. And they got all, all these links, you know, back in the directory uh, days, so they have a ton of potential to, to still bring in search traffic. There's a lot of value in first-party data, so I think. I mean, I have no idea on the financials if it's you know worth it, but I think from from a, a concept standpoint, it seems like a bet worth making to to someone with deep pockets. So it's about the same amount of money that they're paying for Mailchimp, right? They're just under ten billion. Well, they I think they bought the Verizon Media for five billion, and some of that was stock. I think. Oh, was it? Five yeah, it yeah, was it was it was, it was less. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I, I agree, David, that there's a kind of interesting, provocative opportunity here. I mean, the question in my mind is, is the, the private equity firm going to invest in Yahoo? Or are they just going to try and extract cash? They will They will ultimately want to... Yeah, yes, I think the latter. I mean, what, what private equity... Most private equity terms have a five-year horizon. You need a much longer horizon to build a business. And they're in it for the... Extraction. Well, but I mean, what's so the end game is like another IPO, right? Spin it back out into the public market and cash out. But if you if you do that, you have to have some sort of story that you can tell the market. The brand is on the upswing. We're seeing growth, and to some degree, that will require investment. I think you know in in certain businesses. So it's possible that the next buyer of Yahoo is the one yeah. that actually makes money on it. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I think that Yahoo's small business, which at one time, years and years and years ago, was the big player, still has an opportunity. But as we've seen in previous discussions of what small businesses want and don't want, I, I don't think you can be another SaaS tools business in a box, you know, notwithstanding what we said about MailChimp, I think they're in a different position. You you can't just say here here's your DIY product now go do it. I think they would need to do something quite different than what they've been doing in order to to, to yeah. reinvigorate that 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 product. It seems like the hardest thing for them to do. It seems. I was going to say their consumer place seems like a much easier path. Probably to so. Success and revenue. Yeah. Probably so. Um, although they're they're you know they're they rolled out all these subscription products that sort of are designed to supplement their their traditional ad revenue. I don't know how those are doing. But um you know it's 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 um I, I saw this I saw this with the thing that call, uh, prompted me to write about it was that Faith Murphy who's in charge of small business uh I think ad sales or small business sales um who's been at Yahoo forever. I mean she's a I would love to interview mm -hmm. her cuz she's just a total survivor. She's been there for years and years and years. She she was there during the OAuth. Oh, I mean oath. Exactly. Days, correct? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and before. I mean, I think she's Yeah. I think she's a 1.0 person. I mean, I don't know. Wow. I don't know if she predates Marissa Meyer, she may. Uh I don't know if she goes back to Terry Summel, but um she's but anyway, so she pro, pro, she promoted this on LinkedIn, you know, like now we're we're back. And um mm -hmm. you know, and I'm I'm sort of rooting for for her and for for Yahoo because um 
you know, as I've said before, I think there's an opportunity for a Yahoo style directory to make a return, you know, in the in the wake of all the crap that's in search. Some curated set of recommendations in particular areas. I think that would be an interesting thing if they were to do it again. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, let's see if we can get Faith on a future near memory. I think. I think so. I think so. I, yeah. I think she'll she would do it. I mean, I don't know how much she would dish on Yahoo in an honest way. She might be stick to talking points. You know, everything sure. everything is great. But even, but even under like the extent that she wants to to share their strategy as she knows, yeah, it, I yeah. think would be interesting. Yeah, it would be so. totally interesting. And she can talk about a lot of the small yeah. business stuff as well. Um, yeah. All right. On that happy note, we've come to the early conclusion of uh, of this week's we near, near memo. Any final thoughts or reflections that you want to add? Hope everybody has a terrific Labor Day weekend. Uh, I am really looking forward to it. Uh, I've got three days of golf in a row oh my God. lined up, and possibly even with a new couple of new golf clubs uh, if they arrive in time. So, hope everyone has a, an equally relaxing Labor Day. Absolutely. If golf is relaxing for you, I have a little trouble envisioning <laughs> you relaxing at golf. Sorry. Are you a very in- uh, intense golfer? You'll have to come. You'll have to come out and uh, play a few holes with me. You'll, you'll I'm a believe, three club, seeing is I'm believing. A, I'm a three club golfer. I three wood off the tee, yep. I guess five or seven iron and a putter. That's yep. about all I can handle. And I can't handle those very and well. I, and, so. and, and I, and I play tennis. So you, you won't, you won't see me out there. <laughs> all right. Well, enjoy, enjoy watching the U S open then. I hope, I hope they're able well, to finish with all the flooding. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, that, that was that was a yeah yeah David. you really you, we were we were we were safe <laughs> we were doing good <laughs> shoot well uh, it's always a great a great tournament I'm sure they will finish just maybe not on time so there you go okay all go. right everybody have a have a great weekend we'll see you next week thanks for joining David Mike and Greg to stay on top of the latest developments in local subscribe to our newsletter at nearmedia.co we'll see you next week. <laughs>